This morning, I have uh, three quotes that I'm going to share with you. And your task, your little quiz, is going to be to figure out from whom each of these quotes come. And I'm going I'm to give you the options. So one of the quotes is from a biblical teacher who lived nearly 3,000 years ago. Another quote is going to come from an English Polish author from the late 1800s. Another quote comes from the alternative rock, heavy metal, electronica labeled band that your pastor had filling his eardrums when he was in high school and college. And you can figure out. So here you go. Here are the quotes. See if you can figure out who they come from. Quote number one, droll thing life is. That mysterious arrangement of merciless logic for a futile purpose. Okay? Quote number two, I tried so hard and got so far, but in the end, it doesn't even matter. I had to fall to lose it all, but in the end, it doesn't even matter. And quote number three, meaningless, meaningless, utterly meaningless, everything is meaningless. Did you figure them out? You know who they're from? Uh, I'll I'll give you the answer at least for the last one and then the other two you can kind of figure out on your own. But the last one, that one was the biblical teacher from nearly 3,000 years ago. As he began, that was the opening line to this biblical book of Ecclesiastes and it really led to the line that then you heard earlier this morning, this line, so I hated life. Because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. All of it is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. And as you hear those quotes and the quotes that I shared earlier, as you tried to figure out who they were from, I mean, they're all pretty heavy. They all kind of have this sense of, of despair. A sense of lostness. And they're they're really asking, is there really any meaning to this life? And so what does your worldview say in answer to that question? Do you find meaning in your life? Do you find purpose? I think as people, we really crave an answer to this question, why am I here? What's the meaning? What's the purpose for each and every day that I live? And maybe, maybe you have answered that question. Maybe you, you do find meaning in your life. Maybe your work gives you fulfillment satisfaction. You love your family. You you cherish your marriage and your spouse. You support your friends and you invest in, in hobbies that you find enjoyment in. And so maybe you'd say, yeah, there's, there's meaning in my life. I, I see purpose in my life, but this entire worship series I've shared with you that I'm really going to ask you to think logically and rationally about the implications and the consequences of your worldview. 
And so I'm going to ask for your permission now to just press you a little bit on that. And if you found meaning in some of those things that I've mentioned, if you found purpose there, is that more than short-term meaning? Is that meaning and that purpose that you have found, is, is it more than just short and shallow? Is it deep and long-lasting? Because I think apart from a worldview that recognizes that there is something greater, there is something bigger, there is some good out there, there is the divine and there is eternity, that if we don't recognize that, then isn't that meaning and isn't that purpose really just short-lived? I mean, I think your worldview makes all the difference here. Because if you don't recognize that, that greater good, the divine, and the eternity, then, then doesn't that meaning that you found in your life only last for as long as you breathe? And, and maybe for a couple generations longer as your memory lives on in those who love you. And maybe if you've done something incredibly monumental and, and big and you've made a worldwide impact, then, then maybe it'll live on just a little bit longer as history is retold. But it seems otherwise that meaning really evaporates pretty quickly. And so I propose to you that outside of a biblical worldview that recognizes the divine, that recognizes the meaning that we're going to talk about, that he has put into your life, I think deep, long-lasting meaning is elusive and hidden. And maybe it's elusive and it's hidden because really, apart from that biblical worldview, it's, it's not there. But the biblical worldview shows you that there is deep meaning, long-lasting meaning in your life. A biblical worldview shows you that you can recognize the blessings that God has given to you and you can find enjoyment and fulfillment and satisfaction in them because God desires for you to find that. And so today, as I present for you the biblical worldview, and as I talk about the, the deep meaning that it gives, I'm really, really going to talk about three different categories that we can find deep meaning as we labor, as we loud. I know that's a weird word. I'll get to it. And as we love. So today we're going to build on this foundation that we really started with last week as we talked about our origin story and as it flows into that next question, meaning why am I here? We're going to continue to walk through the book of Genesis. And so we look at verse 8 and we hear this. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden. And there he put the man he had formed and the Lord God made all kinds of trees to grow out of the ground. Trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life 
on the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Do you have a garden? Anyone out there? You got a garden? A few people nodding their heads. Now, the last time that I planted a garden, it was about it was like a four by six foot raised bed, just a four by six foot plot of dirt. We had a couple tomato plants, a couple of pepper plants. They didn't really do so well. And then we had some cucumbers. And those things, the vines on those cucumbers, they grew like monsters. They just kind of consumed the entire four by six plot, just took over everything in there. That's what my garden looked like. It was kind of this mess of tangled vines. I have a feeling that the garden that God planted was slightly more spectacular than that. I have a feeling that it was pretty impressive. This garden that was filled with all kinds of trees that God caused to grow. That, that it was just majestic in its beauty. And it was wonderful in its complexity, that it was deliberate in its design, as we talked about last week. This garden was, was like a massive park, unlike any that we've really ever experienced or explored. It was this beautiful, wonderful home that God had created for humanity. And when you think about that, there's really a difference between a house and a home, right? You know, it's always a blessing to have a roof over your head, to have shelter that you can find. But that's different than having a home. A home is something so much more. You know, it's a, it's a process to make a house your home, right? My family and I, we're in that process right now. We're still filling our home with, with our own decorations, right? Putting those up on the wall, moving our furniture in exactly the right place that we want to have it to, to make our living space what, what we want it to be. And then, of course, you got to get your color paint up on the walls. But it's even more than that. Now, a home, what makes something a home is shared activity, shared experiences, and shared memories. God designed this incredible, wonderful home for humanity. Where they would create those shared memories, those shared experiences. And one of the greatest and the best shared experiences that they had in this home was that perfect, harmonious relationship with God, their creator. And so it's this beautiful, wonderful home that God had designed that becomes the foundation then for this life of deep meaning and purpose. And so again, we're going to talk about those, those three different categories that I mentioned. The first is that God wanted human beings to find deep meaning in their labor. We hear this, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. God created Adam to work. He created mankind to work and to find satisfaction and joy in that work, in that labor. God did not create Adam to just sit on the couch, be lazy, grow fat, 
He didn't create him to be idle, but he created him to work. And it would be joyful, meaningful work. Now maybe that's a, a struggle for us to understand and comprehend a little bit. Because you and I know we, we live in a world which isn't exactly this wonderful, beautiful home that God had created, is it? This world, we know it has been ruined. And so sometimes our work and our labor, it is hard and it is difficult. And so maybe that makes it difficult to think how you can find deep meaning and satisfaction in work that you don't want to do. Or when your boss is not a nice person and somebody who's very, very difficult to work with. Or maybe as you think, and you, and you think, man, my work, the, the work that I do, it is nauseating in its tedium. Or, or maybe you feel like it doesn't contribute at all to society, or no one takes notice of it, or no one appreciates it. And maybe that makes it hard to think how you can find deep, meaningful purpose in your labor, your work. But the biblical worldview helps us to know that God has designed work to be meaningful. Incredibly meaningful because God has designed you to work and to be a part of his grand design as you work. When he brought Adam and he placed him in that garden to work it, he was making Adam a part of his grand plan and his grand design for this world. To take care of this world, to serve this world, and to serve God as he did. And so you also and your work is a continuation of God's grand design. That as you labor, you are filling a role in God's story. You know, think about those things in which you do find joy and you find satisfaction. What are the things that you will gladly invest your time in? That you will gladly use your resources for? What are the things for which you will gladly sweat and why? Because you enjoy them. You find satisfaction and fulfillment in them. And the biblical worldview tells you that God finds great enjoyment. God finds satisfaction in the work and the labor that you do. So that you can too. God weaves your labor into his grand design, deliberate design for society. And so the, the biblical worldview, it promises you that the divine, supreme, almighty creator who holds this entire world in his hands, he takes an interest in you and your work and the ways in which you serve his grand plan. You serve this creation. You serve others in whatever way that you do that. And so whether you 
collect trash or you are a nurse in the ER, whether you design buildings and homes for people to live in or you're the one who spreads the mulch around the outside of the landscaping of those homes, whether you are a full-time parent or you're a social worker for those kids who don't have full-time parents. In whatever way that you work and labor and serve society, God is pleased. God sees that as part of his epic story. And he gives you deep meaning in it. And as we said, we know, yes, this world is ruined. And so, unfortunately, we know that at times, human ingenuity and creativity has been abused rather than used for God's goodness. It has been used and and abused, and so sometimes we come at our work and we come at it from a a self-serving perspective. And so then we only look at work as a, a means to an end, rather than really the end that it is in and of itself, because God has given it to us to do. Sometimes we look at our work and we think that this is, this is the way that I'm going to procure good things for myself. But the biblical worldview reminds you that those good things are already there. God has already given them to you. Without your work, without your labor, they were there. Imagine this wonderful garden in which... God placed Adam. It was all there for him. They were a gift of God. And humanity was there to receive them and to receive them even work as a blessing from God. Also find deep meaning in our second category as we laud God. I know it's a weird word. I sacrifice clarity for alliteration. I know it. What does it mean to laud something? Well, it's worship. And worship is exactly what God gave humanity the opportunity to do when he said this. You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. You know, God's command here was not just a prohibition with terrible consequences. It wasn't just a a test. It wasn't a, a temptation from God, but rather this was an invitation to trust God. An invitation to worship God. As mankind trusted that God had their best interests in mind. That's what worship really is, isn't it? It's trusting God. To trust in all the good that God has given and he has promised. And so we find meaning as we worship our God with our actions, with our reverence for his word, as we recognize that he gives us his word for our greatest good. That we each have the opportunity to trust God. To trust him when he promises that I I will provide for you, I will give you everything you need. To trust when God tells us, go this far, but no further. To trust God when he says, this is not good for you. 
I think about what God did with man. Oh, we heard you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. In the original, it's a little bit stronger. He just says, eat. Eat from any tree. And you think about this massive garden. Think about the hundreds, thousands of trees that were there producing fruit that was not only pleasing to the eye, but good for nourishment. There was so much that God had already given to mankind. But don't we just, we kind of tend to focus on the, the one. The one that God said, don't eat of that. We tend to focus on the negative instead of all of the blessings that God had already given. And so this one tree, and we know it's going to cause some problems later on. We're going to get to that next week. This one tree was really an opportunity for Adam and Eve to worship. As they avoided that one tree and they put their complete trust in God. Trust that said, Lord, I recognize that because you have given these hundreds, these thousands of other trees, that you have given enough. And you have given enough for me to be joyful and satisfied in. That was their act of worship all about trust. Trust that they had, that God had their best interests in mind. And it's the same trust that we can work in our lives and find deep meaning and purpose as we worship. And finally, this deep meaning and purpose for our lives, it's found as we love. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Humanity was created for relationships. And we know here that this leads directly into that marriage relationship where God brings together husband and wife and he unites them in this most marvelous, most remarkable of all relationships. But even aside from that marriage relationship, God's word still speaks to us and reminds us that we were intended to connect with others. We were intended to love and to find deep meaning and satisfaction as we loved others. Friendships, families, all the different relationships for which we were created, that it is not good for man to be alone. It is not good to be beside yourself. It's not good to have a me-focused attitude. And so we find deep meaning and purpose in our life when we have a we, not me, attitude. Because we have a, a we and not me attitude that we can connect with others, serve them to the glory of God. And again, this all has to do with trust, as we trust that God will continue to provide for us. That we don't need to be self-seeking and self-serving, but we can look to the good of others. Now, all of this we've said, recognizing that the context in which we live is a ruined world. And we're really going to get to that more next week. But for now, know that God has rescued this ruined world. And God has rescued each and every one of you. God has rescued this ruined world as he sent one whose life has the deepest meaning and deepest purpose 
for all of us. He sent one whose labor was for your good, for your salvation. His work was for you. God sent one who lauded him at every single opportunity. He worshiped God in every single day of his life as he trusted fully in God as Heavenly Father. One who always had a we, not me attitude. And that one is Jesus Christ, our Savior, who truly gives the deepest meaning to you, who is part of a biblical worldview and who gives us an opportunity to end today with a much better quote that we started with. A quote that talks about the meaning and the purpose we can have in our lives. That Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. And if you remain in me and I remain in you, you will do much good. You will bear much fruit. Fruit that will last. That is meaning and